1: The Telegraph. the Telegraph. Podcasts.
2: The Telegraph Total Football Podcast. In
0: association with Line Trust. Specialist fund managers. their podcast fans, I'm Tom Gibbs. Welcome to Total Football. The World Cup has well and truly started now and England have swarmed to victory in Russia thanks to none other than Captain Fantastic Harry Kane, proving once and for all that he really shouldn't be taking corners at an international football tournament. It's been an eventful opening to the World Cup as a whole with shocks, wonder goals and technological excitement galore. We'll cover it all for you here from The Telegraph's one and only audio recording facility. Plus, we'll head to Russia to hear about England's opposition in Group G. How convincing was Belgium's DIY crack-papering job over Panama? But first, we welcome former England player and our columnist Jamie Carragher. Jamie, how are you?
2: Yes, very good. Even better after Harry Kane's late goal.
0: Yeah, what an absolute hero he is to all of us uh, <laughs> on, on Tuesday. Uh, it, it seemed for all the world that this was just going to be the same old disappointing stuff for England. Promising start, bit of a defensive lapse, and then just failing to break quite an obstinate team down. What was different about England on Monday night?
2: A lot has been made. You know, watching it, watching you know the pundits talk after the game on on the TV and. The feeling is how well England played first half compared to how they played second half. They weren't as good, they laboured, as you said. But I think, to be honest, you've been in that situation. I think Tunisia played into England's hands in the first half. He played a very high line. Early on, Jordan Henderson put a ball right over the top. I think Keiran Trippier put one in for Lingard but he hit the post as well. So there was space there, and that played into England's hands because England don't have a a lot of creativity in the team, but they have runners. So you've got Steylund making runs in behind. Delhi Ali Lingard, so the way Tunisia set up really played into England's hands, that's why they had so many chances in the first half and should have finished the game in the first half and that's one big worry that there's only really Harry Kane in this squad who has got a good goal scoring record for England and looks like he's sort of capable of finishing at this level at this moment but second half was a bit of criticism but when a team then drops deep as tunisia did that means it nullifies england runners there's no space to run in behind and that's where england probably lacked that bit of creativity to open a team up when they defend deep so yes first half england played well but they were helped a lot by tunisia and the second half is probably games they may encounter maybe a bit more against panama who've done something similar to belgium today and played deep and I think that was one of the reasons why we didn't create as many chances second half because we don't have great creativity
0: within the team. Speaking about the approaches to the game and how Tunisia changed it up England did seem to start very quickly they were snapping into things they were pressing quite aggressively would that have been a tactic especially knowing how oppressive the heat was to try and get the game settled early?
2: Well I think that's the way this Gareth wants his England team to play I mean I think that's the way the the modern game is played by lots of teams, it's sort of pushing up high, pressing high, and we saw that from England, again, I think watching Tunisia, I mean listen, I haven't seen too much of them, looked at the record going into the game, but Tunisia, I think are one of the best African sides out there, and they probably dominate a lot of the games that they're involved in, in qualifying for the World Cup. So they played like a top team in terms of the way England like to play. So they were trying to press high in the first half. They were pushing up, leaving space. But also the first time the goalkeeper got the ball on a goal kick, he played it short. And it sort of invited England to go and press and win the ball. And to be honest, I don't think Tunisia really ever struck four or five passes together really, but they continued trying to play. He didn't really go direct and play defensively. So it gave England opportunities to win it back. And again... I think that's why we caused them uh, big problems in that first half. But I think being a dominant side where they're from and then coming up against a the side a lot better in England, they still played the way they normally play. And I think it probably caused a few problems really in the game. And that's why England should have scored four or five, but they just got the two.
0: They underestimated England perhaps at the beginning of the game. Uh, A captain's performance from Harry Kane should do him the world of good. Will it inspire the team that their captain and their talisman has started so well?
2: It will because I think going into the tournament Kane had never scored in a tournament before at any level. So I think it'd be a big thing for Harry Kane to get that uh, monkey off his back really. And what it does is no matter how far you are going to go in the tournament when things aren't going well you've always got belief that you've got someone who can make that difference. And there's players that probably six, seven of the other nations who all have that player within the squad. Now, we've all believed Harry Kane is our player to do that, to turn a game, but it's never quite happened for him at tournament. So that'll give him huge belief, but also the rest of the squad huge belief that if they are struggling at any time, they've got a man there who can turn a game.
0: England generally quite profligate in front of goal in the first half. Lingard with a few misses. Stone swinging wildly at one as well. You get the feeling this sort of thing could happen again against Panama. How does Southgate work on that in the meantime?
2: Well, there's not a lot he can do, uh, really. As I said, I don't think there's great goal-scoring record from the players' support and Harry Kane uh, behind him. and, Steele and Dele Alley, Lingard. It won't have helped tonight that Lingard and Sterling's finishing it wasn't what you'd expect and sort of big chances to put away. Really, I don't think there's a lot he can do, just try and keep them giving the confidence, obviously get back on the, on the training pitch, but I don't think Raheem Sterling got a lot of goals this season, but he's not a great striker of the ball, his finishing's never been something that jumps out at you as one of his main strengths. I think the interesting thing with Sterling is that the way the team's set up now, it almost feels like there's two or three number 10s in the team without any of them being a classic number 10, because they're all about pace, and I think Sterling plays so close to Harry Kane now because the other players are there in Lingard and Deli Alley in that space. You may as well actually play with a striker rather than sort of steal and playing there and dropping deep because I don't think there's, there's enough players there already. So it may actually be something to look at. You know, the, the impact he made Rashford when he came alongside Loftus-Cheek. I mean, you could also look at Vardy there, but could it actually be a case of actually going to up front now? Because England have plenty of players between the lines, the way this team's set up by Gareth Southgate.
0: So, would you change it for the Panama game?
2: Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I'd, I'd maybe look to bring a, a striker in maybe alongside Harry Kane. I've never sort of said that, so I've been an advocate of that before this game, really, because Harry Kane is used to playing on his own up front with the Delhi Halley just behind him for Tottenham. But if you've actually got Lingard and Delhi Halley already in there, if he's going to stick with them for the next game, you might as well play with someone else further up the pitch, I would imagine, because. Also, in that uh, game against Panay, they expect him to drop really deep. So, obviously, balls dropping in and around the box. It may actually be more of a game for, for Jamie Vardy than Rashford, maybe.
0: Speaking of Delhi, Ali, he was limping pretty heavily in the first half. Quite a worry for England. Didn't do much in the second. Should he have come off sooner? Maybe. That was
2: something we we're looking at. I mean, I wasn't sure if he pulled the muscle. If he pulled the muscle, you'd expect him to come off straight away. So, it's something that he carried on with but you could you could look and say look at the impact loftus Chief made could he have made that from the bench at second half if Delhi Alley wasn't 100% fit but listen they know a lot more of, of what the injury is how serious it is at the game got at Southgate and Delhi Alley. so I'm sure it can't have been too big of a problem if he did he did carry on, but I think uh, the impact of the two substitutes of Rashford and Loftus Sheik will give Gareth Southgate something to think about going into the next game.
0: While on the positives, Jamie, uh, Jordan Henderson was suddenly spraying about like the, his previous uh, captain at Liverpool, Stephen Gerrard. Who impressed you in an England shirt on Monday night?
2: Well, listen, Harry Kane will get the plaudits. So I think the two other players who really impressed me were Kieran Trippier and Jordan Henderson. And I think Henderson is a vastly underrated player he doesn't get enough credit for his passing he's a he's a good passer of the ball there's no doubt about that uh and he doesn't get enough credit for that we saw that I it was a pass he played too Trippier. i think in the second half it was possibly the pass of the game uh, really and you know you, you play for Liverpool's centre midfield in that holding position you've got to be able to pass the ball he's playing there for england also he's captain of liverpool i think he just missed out on the captaincy for england with a uh, harry kane getting the armband so He's a top player, John Henderson. He's just played in the Champions League final. But there's always certain players of any generation who are not really appreciated sometimes. And I think sometimes you've got to look a little bit deeper and really focus on exactly what they do and what their role is in that team. And his passing from that position tonight was very good,
0: as it has been all season. What about the penalty award on Kyle Walker, Jamie? Did you have any issue with that? I thought it was harsh.
2: But then you say, well, what are you doing? Putting your hand up and putting your arm in someone's
0: oh. face. It's a moment this, of carelessness, not, isn't it, effectively? Yes,
2: it, it's daft. I mean, yes, I can understand him being upset about it, but if I was Gareth Tauke, I'd be saying, okay, yes, we think it might be a bit harsh, but why are you giving the, the referee a decision to make? Especially in this World Cup, when there's been so it feels like there's been a penalty every game. Every game I've watched, I feel like there's been a penalty. At this moment, it feels like the, the World Cup of penalties. Now, that has got to be something going forward that the manager and the players and the staff have got to come together and look at how many penalties are getting given in this tournament. Because of VAR also, you're not going to be able to get away with anything, even though Tunisia got away with unbelievable amounts. Maybe there was no VAR tonight, the other night off. being have been that busy. We're given penalties, this competition. But there is. So anything you do in the box, there's a great chance it's going to you know, become a penalty. When I first saw it, I thought, not a chance. Terrible decision. Couldn't believe it. The more I watched it, the more I thought, OK, it's a little bit harsh, but you've given the referee a decision to make. Why put your arm up? in that position so I think he's uh, it's something to look at and learn from I've seen a, an interview from Kyle Walker and he says next time he's just going to go for the ball headed away rather than leave it really maybe that's a, a lack of experience of playing in the centre back position
0: Sounds like a wise idea let's move on to the tournament as a whole so far Jamie we've seen All bar four of the teams now at the time of recording. Uh, And it seems like this could be not only the tournament of the penalty, but the tournament of the underdog. Brazil, Germany, Portugal, Spain haven't won. France and Belgium did, but didn't look massively convincing. Why do you think the big teams are struggling this time?
2: Well, I mean, I thought the the best game, I'm listening to the best game has been Portugal, Spain, but a a great game yesterday was Mexico, Germany, from a tactical point of view and actually watching the game. And that's why I expected Tunisia to play England, so to sit deep, try and hit on the counter-attack and, it didn't go like that, but I mean, I think teams now are so, are so well sort of organised. We've seen one team, I can't remember who it was earlier on, get absolutely battered, I think it was the first or second game. Saudi Arabia. Yeah, in the first game. But in the main, you can make it difficult for the top sides, really, you know, defending deep numbers, slowing the game down, those type of things. And I think it's it's easier to do that at international level than maybe club level, because at club level, the top teams you play against, they play with each other every week. It's just the things they do, the people they play with, it's just it's off the cuff. They don't even have to think. I think at international level, the attacking teams, sometimes that continuity, that uh, understanding of different players isn't quite there. And I think it's a lot easier to be good defensively if you don't work with players a lot of the time. But listen, it's, it's the first game. They're just getting into the game. And I, also the teams you do set up defensively, don't forget, they've been working for three, four weeks on playing Brazil, playing Germany, playing whoever, the, you know, these top teams, France with Australia. So the whole work is based on stopping that team for that game. Now, they don't get the enough time for the next game because they'll have a couple of days rest recovery, then they might have only have two days tactical work for the next game. So it's a lot harder in the second and third game and going on the competition to stop the top teams because I think there's so much work on into the training ground for the first game because it's such a build-up to the first game that at times it can make it a lot more difficult for the
0: top sides. Good news for England against Panama, then. Often it's the best defences who win these tournaments. Who's impressed you most at the back so far?
2: You look at you know, Uruguay, actually, some of the defenders they've got. I mean, I'm a massive fan of Godin, really. they won their game one there. It was like a typical Atletico Madrid uh, performance in some ways. A late, a late goal, another one's set-piece uh, goal. But I think there's been lots of teams you can say, well, OK, it's been, the game's been that easy. I think even England tonight, I mean, Jordan Pickford probably only had to picked the ball off the net for the goal. So does that mean England were good defensively or Tunisia were really poor going forward? I think it was more Tunisia were poor. So you've sort of got to look at teams, how they've dealt with teams who've actually gone at them or a the side attacking them. And I think Spain really struggled defensively. And they looked great going forward. Germany really struggled. Uh, defensively against Mexico. So I think when it's a team that's really asked questions, how do they deal with that when they're under pressure at different moments? Because I think a lot of the time we've seen maybe teams drop so far back that, OK, the strength in numbers, it's easier to defend than can the top teams. The top teams are going to lose games against the smaller nations on the counter-attack, and the ones who look vulnerable massively are Spain and Germany, two of the biggest favourites.
0: Do you think either of those will shrug it off? Are they going to get it together and will Germany set up a bit differently as the tournament goes on?
2: I don't think they'll set up differently particularly, no. I mean, let's not forget they are the world champions. Majority
0: of the team has played there. It's still
2: the same manager. It's just being better at what they do. I mean, they were so open against Mexico. It was actually unbelievable, really, the positions the fullbacks were taking up, leaving Hummels and Boateng exposed like that. But a lot of teams do play like that now. And it's about stopping the counter. and they couldn't do that. Now, do I still feel they'll come through? Yes, I do. It would be, the game against Sweden will be easy for Germany. Sweden won today, won. They'll stop sweet. If Germany don't actually win the next game, they could be in real trouble, uh, really, in terms of qualifying. Never mind just top of the group. But, yes, you expect the top teams to come through. And, and, and I hope they come through. That's what you want to see the World Cup. The top teams coming up against each other. But a good thing for England may be that Germany and Brazil may actually face each other now a lot earlier. Maybe in the round of uh, 16.
0: Finally, there's been a lot of chat about VAR. There will be a lot more. Starting right now, how have you found VAR so far, Jamie?
2: I'm not totally against it. Mm. I think it's, let's not forget, it's new. It's into the game. We we can remember things going back to 1986, Maradona's handball. I think that's really what it should be for, those big injustices, really, uh, that go on in the game. I actually think it's been quite good mm in the tournaments at the moment. I still think there's been the the odd little thing now and again, especially tonight, when it looks like, as I said, it looks like they've had the night off uh, tonight. But I think when it it eventually, and it may even take two or three years, where the iron out the small mistakes, things that don't quite work, it will actually be good for the game, really. And you don't get those big sort of injustices in the game. I mean, goal line technology, people forget, okay, it's not VAR, but it's technology. It's been brilliant for the game. But it's brilliant because you know straight away. I think there's a, a goal in the France Australia game where no one could even argue with the referee. He just he just looks at his watch and says, No, it's a goal. And that, that's the end of it. So I think it's been good in this tournament. Yeah. I think it has been good. And I think sometimes when people criticize it, they're not actually giving it a chance. Really. They've already got the mindset of they don't like it. They don't want it in the game. Listen, it's coming into the game. You have to open your mind to it. Look at the good points of it and see where it can improve
0: because I don't think it's going away. Sounds like an excellent tweet waiting to happen, Jamie. Thank you very much for (laughs) your time.
2: The Telegraph Total Football Podcast in association with Lion Trust. Specialist investors who help you head towards your financial goals, independent thinkers who have the courage of their convictions to make investment decisions. Remember, investments can fall as well as rise.
0: It's now time to use the miracle of telephony to head to Russia and speak with James Ducker. He was at the Fisht Stadium in Sochi on Monday watching England's forthcoming opponents in Group G, Belgium and Panama. Belgium made things a little bit hard for themselves in the first half, but some Dries Mertens magic and two from Romelu Lukaku got their tournament going with a 3-0 win. How would you summarise the game, James?
1: Definitely a game of two halves. I was pretty disappointed, I have to say, with what what I witnessed from uh, Belgium in the... And the opening forty five minutes I mean I think Panama we, we knew what we would get very workman like aggressive uh, but, but severely limited as opponents but but Belgium uh, I think Martin said afterwards that they were anxious, and I think that ed- that edginess really sort of shone, shone through in the first period, a lot of stray passing in they didn't really seem to to know what the sort of the system expected of them. There was uh, a lot of long balls from Alde out. To, uh you know, and um, the Tongan up to Lukaku, and I was, I was saying in my report it, it really reminded me of um, the Derby at uh, Manchester Derby, at Old Trafford in December when Chris Smalling and Marcus Rojo were sort of aimlessly punting balls in the sort of vague direction of, of Lukaku, and I think that that's probably what it felt like for him in the first half. He took the ball seven times, and was just a bit of a frustrated chaser. And, the sort of wing-backs aren't real natural wing-backs in, in uh, that Belgium system. And I think, you know, uh, De Bruyne and Witzel needed a bit more help in the middle. You know, there was a lack of composure, really, to the way they played. You know, Panama aren't very good, and the defense, they're defensive, but they still leave a lot of space to exploit. And I think Southgate will probably watch that Belgium performance and, and be pretty sort of encouraged, but, but clearly had a couple of moments in the, in the second half where the talent they do have is three.
0: Three 0 not a bad result in the opening game, though. Do you think once they got going, there was there were enough little glimpses to suggest that they might have what it takes to fulfil their potential with this tournament?
1: The talent, not in question. I mean, the, the you know Drees and Merton's sort of volley was was absolutely you know gorgeous and a sort of reminder to, all, to us all that they are capable in, in in a moment of of hurting you quite badly. And nice sort of breakaway for the third goal and, and a lovely ball from De Bruyne and a good. Headed finish from uh, the, to the second. So, I would qualify it by saying that Panama are among one of the worst teams to have qualified, and you know you would firmly expect to prevail against them. The concern is that if they play like that in the first half against much better opposition, you know the game could could get away from them. And even as atrocious going forward as Panama were, they had a, a moment in the 55th minute where there was a ball over the top and behind. The uh, Tongan and uh, Carrasco, and only a, a, a good save from Courtois. Qu- was quick off his line, sort of spared them. In. And I think that, I mean, De Bruyne has talked about this in the past. He did talk about it when Belgium drew three all against Mexico. Is that they are susceptible in, uh, you know, in behind the full back positions. And it, in Carrasco and Munier um, are sort of really sort of naturally defensive sort of minded. And Aldevera and the are the quickest. So if you can get in behind them there, I think with someone like Sterling, England have got a sort of player who would be very effective at doing that. They can be hurt. Uh, and it's definitely something that they're going to need to address. But, you know, look, a good start, I'm not taking away from that. And they've got players who, who can win can win matches. And there were some flourishes from Hazard. You know, De Bruyne got, got into his stride in the second half. And Lukaku the finishes were excellent both predatory finishes the, the lovely dink finish for so if they're in the mood they're going to hurt teams but uh, the, the setup that they currently have is, is definitely got weaknesses in it
0: what about panama james england's next opponents quite obstinate certainly in the first half a little bit dirty with it
1: as well uh, what do england need to overcome then i just kind of got to be patient i think we'd they can't be hurried and sort of nervy and anxious and sort of and I, I was watching Belgium thought they looked a bit giddy thinking, oh, this lot of we're gonna break side and and as the gate as a sort of minutes passed and they weren't doing that, they looked a bit sure of ideas. So I think a bit of patience, a bit of composure, a lot a lot of passing and movement should certainly be an um, enough and, you know, you're going to get kicked. They had picked up five bookings tonight, which is more than any side in a World Cup match since Holland in the 2010 World Cup final. We all know what they did to Spain. So I think, you know, you'd probably expect a bit of a kick in. Uh, Martinez has warning tonight, that he, he was sort of bemoaning the lack of protection from from the referee. So, yeah, there might might be a bit of physicality. But I think you'd hope for an early goal or two. And if England can get an early goal or two against Panama, you would hope they would kick on. I mean, they didn't do that against Tunisia. It was obviously a late show, but, uh, you know, they're very, very limited. Um, Panama. I've got, the centre halves did pretty well, but they've got a lot of workmen like players. And the moment they got over the halfway line, they look very short of ideas.
0: Finally, James, give us a sense of the atmosphere in Russia. There's been a lot of empty seats at some of the matches we've been watching. Has there been a full outbreak of World Cup fever yet?
1: It's been a funny one. I, I'm having a really good time. Um, it's very well organised. Very friendly. I mean, I suspect everyone's experience of the World Cup are going to be different because it's such a vast country, and a lot of places are going to feel in different ways. I'm, I'm obviously based sort of more sort of the region Sochi and Rostov and going up to Voldegrad. And Sochi's been sort of you know it's been lovely really, but it has been sort of eerily quiet at times. I mean, I, I'm sort of I'm sat now sort of out on the promenade, to see the. Fish stadium in the in, in the distance, black black seas in front of me, and there's obviously you know music and, and things, but it's it's not it's not bustling, it's a, it's a far cry from Brazil in that regard. I mean, I was walking back uh, after the Spencroft press conference the other night, and it was I, I literally there was no one around. Tom, there was no <laughs> one around, not a single person, and I was like, this is absolutely ridiculous. So, and I don't know whether there's a bit of like, touchy people don't quite know about it or. I mean, it's a, it'd be a lovely holiday destination. I think people could do a lot worse and spend... Um a few weeks down there on the Russian Riviera. It's very fun, I have to say. James,
0: you sound remarkably chipper for a man who's only had two hours sleep. Thank you very much for
1: joining us. (laughs) Pleasure, Tom. Thanks very much,
0: mate. That's all for today's episode. We'll be back following England's second match against Panama on Sunday evening in time for your Monday morning commute as has become traditional. In the meantime, contact me on Twitter. It's at Tom with an H Gibbs and subscribe to the podcast. Just look for Total Football wherever you get your podcasts. Whilst you're on your device, just head to wherever you you found this podcast and leave us a lovely review thank you very much indeed in advance our theme tune is by Polvo head to MergeRecords.com to buy all of their albums immediately thanks to Abby Patterson on the buttons and thanks to you for your company The Telegraph Total Football Podcast in association with Lion Trust Specialist Fund Managers